0: North Carolina Central suffered their first loss of Miag play to South Carolina State this weekend. And to me, this is without a question the upset of the week. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. (laughs) You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off doesn't mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel and make every moment more with FanDuel right now new customers get $150 back in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet win or lose go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started we wrap up today's episode by recapping Benedict College men's basketball's trip to Atlanta both to Clark and Morehouse it ain't in pretty form. Prior to that, we'll look at Grambling women's basketball, who, with their victory over the Southern Jaguars, made a real statement. And we kick off today's episode by looking at the upset of the weekend, and that is South Carolina State men's basketball knocking off what some believe to be the best team in all black college basketball, and that is North Carolina Central. Now, I know you have games like. TV knocking off Jackson State, right? And I think that's probably the only other one in men's basketball that I could think of. You have some women, like I think Nor- Norfolk State lost on women's the women's side, right? Um coach Jones actually got a, a big achievement on the men's side. And I think we'll look at that on tomorrow's episode. But overall, this to me, when you look at all of the circumstances that built up to this, South Carolina State knocking off North Carolina Central was a really impactful game, and it was also a, a, a result that no one really saw that coming, right? Like, no one thought that was going to happen. Now, North Carolina Central, the last time that the Bulldogs was the first team to beat you in conference play, you won it all. The bad news is I'm talking about football. So well, I, I don't know how transferable that really is, but, uh yeah, so take that with a grain of salt. Uh But in all honesty, when you look at it, South Carolina State hadn't won a conference game all year. They were 0-2. And it feels weird speaking about this hasn't happened all year And, and saying things of that nature. It definitely feels like we should have more conference games than we have. It definitely feels as if we should be at four or five conference games. I know Grambling women's basketball, I know Grambling in general has five conference games. But nobody else does. And when you look at the MEAC, they're all at three. So this just kind of feels feels like the season is dragging along, kind of feels like this season is taking a long time. But no, nevertheless, you're looking at South Carolina State, a team who hadn't won a game in conference play this year against North Carolina Central. A team that some might say is the best men's basketball team in HBCU basketball. And if they're not the best, they're one of the best in every list that I've seen they were either one or very close to one so this was not an outcome that anybody saw coming and when you look at uh, South Carolina State they're one and two they now they're one and two now and then they're also five and 14 on the season so it it, this is it's just it's just an interesting game and one that you didn't expect to go down the way that it did but So when I put together the conference standings, the absolute nobody giving them a shot, all of those things put into the same pot. That's how you get this little gumbo that is upset of the weekend. Um, But let's look at the impact of it because it's very early in the conference play. So one may question how how impactful can a loss be on your third conference game? Not that impactful. Not that impactful. Like I'm not going to sit here and say that this is a season changing game. It's very rare that you see somebody just go undefeated. So a loss is going to happen somewhere. However, it does feel like when you have these upper echelon teams, they tend to beat up on each other. For example, you look at the three teams. No, they don't all have one loss. But if you look at two, three, and four in the MEAC, Delaware State is number one, and we'll get to them in a second. But when you look at two, three, and four, which is North Carolina Central, Norfolk State, and Howard, those three teams have only. What I'm trying to say. I feel like that meme of uh this that guy, I can't say his name. But anyway, when you look at Norfolk State and you look at Howard, Howard has only lost to North Carolina Central and Norfolk State. Norfolk State has only lost to North Carolina Central. You would expect North Carolina Central to only lose to those caliber teams as well. And they tend to just beat up on each other. That tends to be how it goes, right? So that's another reason this is kind of impactful because it allows less room for error. That's how I look at it, at least. Now, Also, the impact is that Delaware State stands alone. As good as that is, it doesn't mean that much for them because it is early. That's why the impact is limited. Delaware State is 3-0, but they haven't faced Central. They haven't faced Norfolk. They haven't faced Howard. Like They haven't faced any of the teams that you feel are good. Now, in a way that does take away from Delaware State. But I felt as if I had to bring it up, and them getting kind of discredited was collateral because I think it's important to explain the situation. If I'm Norfolk State, if I'm Howard, I'm sitting there like you got a bunch of room for opportunity or uh, or for a mistake, right? You have a lot of just chances to lose. You haven't faced the tough competition yet, so I'm not as concerned about your lead because I feel like you might suffer a little bit later down the road, right? So. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, when I'm looking at Norfolk State, they're probably extremely happy that North Carolina Central lost because now I ain't got to worry about all of that other stuff. You don't have to, you've lost your game. I needed you to lose somewhere and then I needed to beat you the next time. That's all I can worry about. As long as Norfolk State and North Carolina Central are even, yes, North Carolina Central will have the tiebreaker because they beat the Spartans, but also. If they have the same amount of losses, all Norfolk State has to do is beat them. So, and we're too early for us to get into messy tiebreakers. So right now, that's all that we really need to look at. This was a slightly impactful slightly impactful game, and when you look at just the overall standings of the MEAC, you got Delaware State who's at the top, 3 and 0. They're looking down on everybody. Everybody's looking up at them but they're also waiting for Delaware state to go and play some of the upper echelon teams. And then they feel like, all right, we're going to feast on you. Or at the worst, if you're Howard, you're looking like, okay, I need you to lose to either Norfolk or central. Right. And then I'll come beat you. If you can't lose to both of those teams, if you central or Norfolk, you're like, okay, whatever you one game ahead of us, but you haven't played us. This is the impact of this game. I won't sit here and act like it's super impactful, but I do think it's moderately impactful for a third game of MIAC play. Now, as we move forward, maybe not so much impactful, but there was a statement that was made when Grambling Women's Basketball knocked off Southern, and I'll deliver that statement as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And we just saw the Chiefs versus the Bills. And if you know what happens when the Chiefs face the Bills in the playoffs, you know what happened when the Chiefs just faced the Bills in the playoffs. So now in the NFC and AFC Championship games, we have the bit the uh, Chiefs versus the Ravens. And then we also have the 49ers versus the Lions. So I think that this is going to be two really good games. I know that we had four really good games on this weekend. We'll have two of those next week and i'm very very excited when it comes down to our uh matchup so it's up to you to put down some money on that and tell me who you think is gonna win lamar and the ravens patty mahomes and the chiefs you think that jeff jerry goff excuse me is gonna be able to take them to the super bowl for his second super bowl berth or do you think that the 49ers get through there with purdy It's a lot of things, but if you put a $5 bet on it, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. You get $150 back in bonus bets. All you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash locked on. It's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. And remember, for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports today. It is 24-7 all day, every day, first of its kind, 24-7 Sports Network on YouTube. So go ahead and subscribe to Locked on Sports today and be t- uh, up to date for every single Wednesday or Monday through Saturday, what day is it? Monday through Sunday. Y'all, you got to forgive me. I'm not feeling well today. My brain is taking the run of it now. Um, but let's continue rolling. Let's see if we can get back into this groove here. Maybe I need to do the the ASMR that I did on the uh, the intro. <laughs> but Grambling Women's Basketball, they really made a statement versus Southern, and I feel like the way that they won the game was the statement, not so much that they won, and that I think that's important because we know what these two teams mean to each other. doesn't matter if it's football or if it's women's basketball. We know what these two teams and these two schools mean to each other. Then on the other hand, when you look at where they stood in the standings coming into this matchup, both teams were three and one, right? They were tied for second. It was them, both of those two teams. And then it was UAPB. Everybody looking up at Jackson State, who is four and oh, but they were both three and one coming into this game. Now, excuse me. Now you have Grambling who is by themselves separated from Southern. UAPB still only has one loss, but you have Grambling who said, not only are we in this class, let me prove this to you. It's also, you're not in this class. And I don't know if you're really that close to it. Now, That's the way I look at it because it's a 24 point win and it screams we're upper echelon and you're not because you ain't you ain't supposed to get beat like that Two upper echelon teams. Ain't supposed to be a 24 point blowout. Ain't supposed to be a 30 point lead at halftime. Not supposed to be a domination. It's not supposed to be that. But that's what this was. So until Southern shows something differently, which is knocking off another upper echelon team, I can't put them in that category. Jackson State, UAPB, Grambling. Those are the top three teams when it comes to SWAT women's basketball in the standings, and that's just kind of what it looks like. But this is also potentially, I know Grambling fans will be hoping for this, potentially a return to form for Grambling women's basketball. Let's look at how their conference play has played out. Grambling opens up the season with a 28-point victory over PV. Absolutely dominated the Lady Panthers, right? <clears throat> then the next three games, not so much. They lose to the TSU next. No, no celebration here. We just bring it down. They lost to the TSU next. And then they, they won against Bethune Cookman by one point. And then you look at against Fam this was a game that went into three overtimes. So it hasn't been this dominating performance over the majority of swipe play. 28-point win, a five-point loss, a one-point win, a uh, 3 overtime win, and I think ended up being like a four-point margin, right? And then you have this game where you have 24 points. So now it's a question of you know you have this in the back pocket. You know that any time they could dominate in this capacity, but can they play like this consistently? And no, I don't mean getting 24, 28-point victories. That's unrealistic. Or maybe some 15-point victories, maybe not games going into triple overtime coming down to the last last minute, right? And I'll give you a little fun fact about their loss to TSU. So TSU has two wins on the season, and ironically, they're against Grambling and UAPB, which is their only losses on the season. TSU plays Jackson State tonight. I'll be very interested If they're able to get Jackson State, because then we would have to really have to sit down and have a conversation. Right. I'll have I will likely already have my episode recorded. By that time. So if if Jackson State loses the TSU in women's basketball, trust and believe that will be discussed on Wednesday's episode. But it's just it's kind of insane. It's kind of insane. Right. So that's just a little fun fact for you. But back to Grambling. When you look at a win of that margin, when you look at a win of that margin, you're looking at a team that, yeah, they dominated. They were up 30 at halftime. Um, They shot significantly better, especially from three. It was about a 16% difference, I think. I think it was like 29 to 45. But when you look at the free throws, that's when it really begins to widen. So Southern only shot 14 free throws in a game. They only made four. Grambling many 16. They made more free throws than Southern took, and they took 25 of them. So not only did you get to the line more frequently, you you were also better at the line when you did get there. So these are the things that I feel define the game. And then one other thing that happened is, of course, they, they led with bench points because when you look at the rotations, they don't have players who play a lot of minutes. They're going to have guys, or excuse me, they're going to have girls come off the bench and put up points. They're the leading scoring offense in the SWAC. They're third in the nation in bench points. These things, to me at least, are a sign of the depth of Grambling. And it's also a sign of how they use their uh, rotations. Because you look at the top five scores. Either two or three of them, they don't even start the majority of their games. When you just look at that, they got players that seven games played, start one, right? Players who came in basically right before conference play, and they don't start, but they won the leading scores. Like it's it's players like that that you have to pay attention to. Leading scoring offense in the conference, and nearly half of their points come from the bench. That just speaks to the depth and the rotations of this unit, right? Now, as we move forward, we have a team who, I don't know if it's depth. I don't know if it's rotations. I don't know none of that. But they struggled. And that's Benedict College, men's basketball. When they went to Atlanta, facing Clark and Morehouse, they ain't walk about at ATL the same way that they walked in. But well, let's break down exactly what that means as we continue with Locked On, HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three, and I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Benedict College walked out of Atlanta battered. Benedict College walked out of Atlanta in a worse shape than they walked into the city. And it's not about just going to face one team in Atlanta. It's about the fact that they had two games back-to-back. They actually faced three teams. They faced Clark. Then they faced Morehouse. Then they went home and faced Savannah. And when they faced Savannah, or no, they didn't face Savannah. They faced Albany State, right? So when they faced Albany State, they got back and they kind of calmed themselves down. But I want to look at that trip in Atlanta because the Morehouse game, the Clark game, those are road games for the Tigers. And I want to look at those because... Their loss to Morehouse, that was on Thursday night. So by that time, it already recorded, all of those things, like it was done. It was already finished. I didn't have time to come in and update on that. But also at the same time, the impact that it has had, it's still lingering. So I feel as if it's still a timely topic despite Benedict playing another game. So when we look at Benedict College, They came into Atlanta as the eighth-ranked team in all of Division II uh, basketball. Not just in the SEAC, all of Division II men's basketball. Then they faced Clark. Then they faced Morehouse. I will be interested to see exactly where they land after this. And I think that might come out today. Might come out tomorrow. We'll see. But... There's a commonality between these two games, and it's the offensive struggles. And we'll break that down in different ways. See, we already looked at the Clark game on last week's um, scheduling. I don't know what day of the week it was. It was probably like Wednesday. If I had to just throw a date out there, that feels about right. Um, Excuse me, threw my head off. Um, But yes, so we've already looked at that. So we're not going to go deep into that game right now. We're not going to look into that game too deeply. But we will pull out one fact from that game, and that's that Benedict College actually had their worst shooting performance of the season against Clark. So that's where it started. That's where the offensive struggles came in. I can't knock them too much because they still put up a good amount of points. They still put up over 80, right? So there's only so much I can really lean in and say about it, but they did shoot the ball extremely poorly. Now you go to Morehouse, and when you face Morehouse, you have the least amount of points that you score scoring a game all year. First time in a season, you did not get to, to 70 points, right? They scored 69. So when you're looking at all of these things and you're looking at all these factors, it does feel as, as if there's been some offensive struggles that had to be acknowledged, even if it's not the sky is falling, even if not the sky is falling. But the impact of this is now you're way closer Coming into Atlanta, so we're talking about at the top of last week. So a week ago today, a week ago today, you were seven and zero. First place, Morehouse was six and one. Second place, Clark was three and three. Fourth place, right. And even if you want to look at, I can't remember who it was. I think Edward Waters. Even when look at Edward Waters, they were four and two, third place, right. So that's how it was. It was almost as if Zero, one, two, three. That was how first through fourth went. Just kept trickling down, loss by loss, right? But now you went from being eighth in the in the, uh, nation to now being second in your conference, second in your division. And I'm only breaking down the SEAC East, right? So that's what you're looking at. You got Morehouse posting on Twitter, first place, or you know, some, something like that, right? That's the impact of this game. That's the impact of this Atlanta trip. Yes, you had your offensive struggles. The sky is not falling, but we do need to note what's going on. We keep progress, right? We keep track of progress. Even even if we're not worried about the sky falling, we still keep track of progress here because that's what we do. We have to, in order to tell the full story, I can't just say you started at the beginning of the year and you ended at the end of the year. That's not the full story. That's not even a table of contents or a synopsis, right? That's just here and there. So this is just part of the story now. So we'll see where this goes. Now you have two losses, more houses in first place. You're in second place, but you're only a game away from first. Game and a half, right? But then you also only a game away from third. The margin is now way closer. This Atlanta trip give, had given you the opportunity to kind of stiff arm. okay, kind of stiff arm to where. Morehouse was only was the closest person to you. They would have had two losses and they had already lost to you. That's a difference in this story. If that happens versus what actually happened, I think we're looking at the landscape of the SEAC a little bit different. Once again, it's still a little early, but it's not that early. We we approaching 10 games played in the SEAC. So we'll look at what this could mean as we continue with the season. But on tomorrow's episode, It's gotten out the five candidates that the FAMU search firm has been looking at. So we'll get into that on tomorrow's episode. The updates just keep coming on and coming on. So we'll continue to look at the updates as long as they keep giving them to us. So I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow's episode will be the FAMU search firm probably in the first two segments, to be honest. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.